Yeah, anyway, uh, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, Ripper Terror. Alright, mate, you're right. I've had a bloody guff. The Big Stiff Podcast. You guys obviously have done your homework, which is really, really important. I've enjoyed this totally. And hopefully you'll go on the bigger and bigger and better things because you're a pair of great guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Big Stiff Podcast <laughs> official. Um, Scotty Baldwin, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Going well? Yeah, it's been a good week. Got a got a big week planned, don't we? Yeah, we do. We got have a, a bit on. Of great guests. Yeah, it's going to be a great week, I think. Oh, you beauty! So um, tonight we've got a a different sort of sports star um, that we're featuring and interviewing tonight in the form of a, a supercar motor car driver. Um, his name is Ash Walsh. Um, Ash is an Australian driver who currently drives for Brad Jones Racing and as a co-driver alongside Jack Smith. Walsh took up motor racing in 1999 by racing go-karts at the Ipswich Kart Club. By 2003, he was a dual Australian karting champion. Natural progression followed, and in the following years, Ash made his debut in formula racing and finally into supercar racing. He's currently gearing up for another supercar season, all the while practicing as an accountant. Ash, how are you, mate? Hello, boys. How are we doing? Yeah, good, good mate. Thought we'd pump the tyres up. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Ash and, I, Ash, and I went to sco- Ash and I went to school together, so it was a little yeah. bit, like, yeah. awkward trying to um, pretend that I don't know you. <laughs> was, uh, was he in the same year as you, Roscoe? Or are you below? No, you're below. You're no, below. you're below. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, I All think right. your old man coached me in the Ipswich side for uh, Ipswich Trophy League team. He did too. He did too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Ash and I grew up in uh, Ipswich and obviously rugby league heartland. We both played (laughs) rep footy for uh, for Ippy and did tours down south. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's where it all happened. Yeah, yeah. My father was a a rep coach. Says we'd be going back a long way there, mate. (laughs) Very yeah, very long way. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Ash. Um, so what we usually do with our um, guests, we usually just sort of break the ice um, with a few sort of one-answered questions. Oh, one, yeah, one-answered questions. Um, so we'll start off. Are you a bar or dance floor type of bloke? <laughs> Depends what time of night it is. <laughs> All right, we'll go nine o'clock and then twelve o'clock. Are we talking AM or PM? Uh, if you're still carrying on, uh, yeah. uh, 9 p.m. I'm assuming you'll 9 be PM. bar. Yeah, bar, 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 for sure. Yeah, and yeah. then 12 p.m. You bring out the dancing shoes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, who who is your hero, or who was your hero growing up? Um, yeah, I suppose uh, in terms of the uh, the motor racing side of things, growing up. It was sort of hard to go past Michael Schumacher as a as a bit of a hero because um, at the time seven times world champion, absolute legend. Uh, Ferrari was obviously um, you know huge at the time there, such a big brand worldwide as well. Um, but then you know you've got your other classics like your your Anton Senna's as well, who was a little bit earlier than that. Um, so I, I grew up in that sort of era watching Schumacher dominate. So it's pretty hard yeah. to to not be a fan. Yeah, bloody oath. 
awesome. what is a hobby that people don't know about you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult question to answer. Mm. Are you, are you know, into I, lawn porn, mate? <laughs> Mowing the grass? <laughs> no, you should see my lawn. Honestly, it's pathetic. I'm uh, <laughs> the and are you with the lawn porn construction site? Let's go. Oh, mate, with my little patch, it's my little baby. It's my third baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely um, looking forward to getting on board that um, train, though, because um, nice, nice. With, yeah. I'm a big fan of lawn porn. Reap and reward. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to. <laughs> I like to. Uh, you know, uh, I'm impressed by other people's lawn, but um, yeah, haven't, I haven't uh, quite worked out how to make mine go yet. Yeah. Based favorite movie. Favorite movie. Mm. Uh, pretty pretty big like Will Farrell fan. So the other oh, guys yes. is probably one that comes to mind. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Uh, favorite karaoke song. Ooh. I think they're all good. I don't have a particular favorite. But yeah. that's another that's probably another 12 p.m. job as well, I reckon. <laughs> It might, it might lead into the next question then. Mm. Are you a Johnny Farnham fan or a Jimmy Barnes fan? Or both? I would have to say Johnny Farnham. I remember Graham. Yes. And, yes. <laughs> and you know, mum and dad right. cranking it pretty regularly. They all, they also were big Jimmy Barnes fans. But, um, uh, yeah, I'd say probably who can, who can uh, beat the old man, Johnny Farnham. Take that down. <laughs> oh, that's a cracking song, isn't it? Rusty? Yeah, I awesome. love that song. Uh, so, Ash, um, what made you get into go karting, and who was the inspiration behind that decision? Yeah, that that was a bit of a strange one, to be honest. Um, I didn't have any family members um, when we first started that were that were racing go karts. My old man had raced uh, ski boats when I was growing up. And, oh um, yeah. Used to go, yeah, go down to like Grafton and places like that, um, mm -hmm. Broadwater on the Gold Coast he, in the yes. Grace Maryborough. Um, yeah. But he uh, he got to a, an age, I guess, when we were quite young, um, where we he we it was a lot harder for him to look after us, so he stopped doing that, and we had decided as a family um, after my cousin had bought a go kart to to buy one at the same time. And we used to just go to the go-kart track at Ipswich and, and uh, flog around day after day. And eventually someone... Ooh. At the local kart shop was like, what are you we're like? We just want to drive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. eventually we got con convinced to have a go. And, um, and uh, yeah, just sort of snowballed and progressed from there. Because that's that's Willow Bank out in Ipswich, isn't it, Ash? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, Willow Bank Raceway. How old were you when you started doing that sort of stuff? Uh, I was I was about ten years old, I think, at the time. Okay. Um, yep. And, and it was a pretty slow start, to be honest. Um, it, I think we practiced for a good year or so before we actually raced. Um, so when I yep. say practice, we used to just go to the go kart track and drive around. Um, yeah. And then yeah eventually started racing and, and we were uh, we were really doing it very you know locally at the time when we first started for the for the first year or so never really traveled yeah. anywhere or anything like that and it was um yeah pretty pretty local low-key sort of stuff yeah. and um you would have been pretty popular on the weekend with the, the kids at school right you got a go-kart 
<laughs> yeah, I think everyone was probably always like, yeah, he goes go-kart racing, but I don't know really. I think people, when when you say go-kart racing, they probably think billy carts, like pushing your billy cart down. Oh, the hill. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and cool running. That's right. So this is the motorized version. It's like a baby yeah. Formula One car. Yeah. yeah. So in, in 2006, you moved on to the Australian Formula Ford Championship. What was that jump? up into that category like and for the fans that don't know what is formula racing circuit yeah so the formula ford championship is i guess it, for a very long time in australian mode racing it's been the progression from go-karting into car racing okay. um, and, it, and it's kind of what the young guys jump in and um they sort of you know you cut your teeth and you learn how to, to race and set up a car and um it's your first real taste at uh motor racing on a state or national level. Um, okay. And, and it, it is a very big jump. Um, Go-karting is very, very different to, to car racing. The speeds are different. The time that you spend in a corner is different. Um, the way that you set up the car, the ride, having to use gears and a clutch. And uh, mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a multitude of things that are way, way different to a go-kart where you, you've just got two pedals. And um, although the, the basic concepts are the same, um, you, you jump in and you feel like a bit of a fish out of water, to be honest. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> so how old would you have been? Would you have been you have been just fresh out of school, right? No, I think I when I first drove a Formula Ford, I think I was about 16 or, wow. or yeah. Yeah, it was either late 15s or 16. Yeah, it was pretty like yeah, I was in like that end of year 10, start of year eleven sort of age. So um, prior to getting a car license or anything like that. (laughs) Yeah, I was about um, to say. Yeah, you go, Scotty. Were you sponsored um, going into that? Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, you were sponsored? Okay. Yeah, so, well, at the time I was um, part of a a program called the CAMS Rising Star Program, um, which was a program by the Australian Government um, and the Australian Commission, Sports Commission, um, trying to get drivers... uh, and develop them and, and go overseas and race in, to go and race in Formula One. Yeah. Um, and, and this was kind of in its infancy, a program that they developed. And um, when I first went into car racing, I managed to be able to get drafted into that program. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my, my major backer at the time, really. Yeah. So I, was some, I uh, trying to yeah, I, I had family, a mate. friends and family. I don't mate that was into all that um all the racing inside of things and I'm pretty sure he spent a lot of money um to get oh, where yeah. he was there's a yeah. lot of money in this in this industry so for sure um, yeah yeah mm. yeah you've got to um you know without without backing of sponsors or or having a family that can provide it for you um or both most of the time um it's very difficult to to even make that first initial step because um yeah, karting. I know. I think from what I hear these days, karting is even worse. People are spending upward of a hundred thousand dollars a year um, for their kids to go karting. Yeah, what? Yeah. Bullshit. And, and it may be more than that, to be honest. Um, and then oh. you want to make the step into a Formula Ford. You can be spending uh, in a season somewhere in the sort of three hundred thousand sort of mark. Um, so wow. you've got to have backing straight up. Otherwise, most people can't afford to do it. No way. And as a 10-year-old, that's a big gamble. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
as a 10 year old, you're probably not spending quite that level, but as you, the next couple of years, if you race on a national level, that's when you'd start to, to really spend that kind of money. Yeah. And like, I mean, you hit those heights pretty early, so you would have had to stay competitive and at the top, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You've got to, um, you, you get linked up with, with people who are interested in the sport and you can find support. Um, you know, if you get hooked up with, with, uh, the right people and I was pretty lucky, uh, from the start and through the different stages of my career to get hooked up with some great supporters and, uh, and people that made things happen for me when it might not have happened in, nice. in, our, in I, other situations. I do digress, but um, I just wanted to know when you did go for your driver's license, um, did you just like give it some or did you get it first go or <laughs> did they know that you're a race car driver? <laughs> I think by the end of it, he probably knew that I'd done <laughs> done something because he was <laughs> on, <laughs> on it. But I think the, the issue with um, going for your driver's license, obviously, like driving the car is one thing, but there's the, all the mm. other things you've got to pay attention to as well, like checking your mirrors and you know all yeah. the all the other stuff that comes along with it. So uh, I was just as nervous as anybody else was. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, after five years of formula racing, you finally made it into the V8 supercar circuit. What was the feeling like? Yeah, it was, um, well, there was a little bit of a, so there's a bit of a backstory to that, I suppose, if I was to, to yeah. answer it properly. Um, yeah, yeah. With with my, with the Cam's Rising Star program, I'm, I went over to Europe and raced uh, in the European uh, Formula Renault Championship. Um, against yeah. like you, you guys like Ricardo and uh, Valtteri Bottas, um, guys who are wow. you know, in the current Formula One championship at the moment, and um, we, I had my first crack in, in in that with a team that was, it's also it was its first year in it, so um, there, we didn't have a great time because there wasn't a lot of knowledge in terms of how to set up the car, um, mm -hmm. I guess proper maintenance of the car, and and, and basically that sort of comes into bad performance. So we had a couple of good performances throughout the year where I'd come in the sort of top, I think I came seventh was my best result in France in, uh, at Le Mans. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a good time and I'd managed to do well enough in testing to, to get, uh, some, uh, I guess you would say, um, eyes on me from some of the top teams. And we'd actually been talking to the team from Motor Park who had won the championship the year before with Bottas and um, a seat was there ready for me to go. And all we had to do was come up with one and a half million Australian dollars. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, which Just. at the time is, uh, it's a lot of money. <laughs> and, one um, and a half million. Yeah, we, we had a, a sponsor lined up. Um, I can't remember his name. is Daniel... Daniel something or other. Um, he, he was a Milton businessman who had just struck it big in Australia and then also in the US uh, on online gaming. And um, okay, yeah. It um, at the time he was very keen in, in uh, sponsoring me, and we were all ready to go till it was time to pull the trigger and and uh, you know sign the contracts and things like that. And um, yep. it, it it ended up not happening. And um, later on, I ended up through through looking at the the news media um finding out that daniel ended up in jail in america for for, for some kind of fraud what? Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah and um, 
was in bad with uh, some kind of mobsters. Like, <laughs> and yeah, so I think now he's in jail in America somewhere. Um, oh. So it's pretty interesting. He could have given you the he could have given you the <laughs> mill and a half, and then like he just part ways <laughs> after. Yeah, yeah. I wish he did. To be honest, <laughs> it would have been better. In yeah. Than back with the, you know, whoever the feds are that done him. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So it was, at the time, obviously really disappointing for me to uh, not be able to continue on in Europe. Um, and I, mm-hmm. at the time, probably saw supercars as a, uh, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in Europe and I felt like I, um, you know, I, I missed out on the opportunity to stay. So it was a little bit disappointing. Um but um, I ended up driving in the A1 team in that next year uh, for Team Australia and um, I didn't do any other racing other than that because we didn't have any money to go racing. Um, And then came back to Australia and uh, did a couple of Formula Ford races through the help of um, Mike Ballin and Paul City who were instrumental in in making things happen for me uh, to to actually make a comeback into racing because at that time I was not probably not real keen on going racing again. And yeah, um, yeah came back and, and did a Formula Ford race with them, won that race at the Gold Coast, and they managed to put together a sponsorship deal for me to go racing in Formula Ford the next year. And from that, we we built on that momentum to then uh, what what you saw going to me, uh, where I went into Super 2 and then Supercars and so on, co-driving. So it was, it was a very uh, tough and long-winded story to, to even just get back to where I was. Wow. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> is that See, the jersey behind it then? Yeah. That's, 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 yeah. yeah. that's yeah. the jersey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Beautiful. And then, like, this is the thing, like, a lot of people just see you as a supercar driver now and just do not know any backstory behind yourself. And I think there's probably so many others just like you that um, have gone through that natural progression and the tough yards and the slog just to get where you are today. So... Yeah, it's yeah, a big eye. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's I guess everybody has you know has a story as to what what makes it difficult for them to get. Mm. Nobody has a has a clean <laughs> run, but um, yeah, there's it it's usually doesn't happen the way that you want it to. But anyway, yeah. it's life, isn't it? So staying with uh, supercar driving, um, what's the training involved in regards to that? Um, that's a thing that we, as watchers or fans, you just never know. You like you don't, see, see, you yeah. only see the race and you don't see the behind the scenes. So what, what's yeah, your training yeah. regime like? Yeah, so I, I guess for, for me it's different. Obviously um, now working full time, it's more difficult for me to, to get out and do any kind of training. Um, but, you know, you, I, I do your, this is me now. I do, uh, you know, your F45s and your running and all that kind of stuff now. Um, as much as I can around work and study and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but in terms of the full-time supercars guys, um, some of them obviously take it more seriously than others, but the guys that do take it seriously, you know, they're, they're out there. Like you, I I think of uh, Scott Pies and your Nick Perkats who are out there, um, riding hundred Ks on their bikes, you know, a few times a week running 10 Ks a few times a week doing weights with personal trainers looking after their diet and um, exercise. Wow. So they, they, they take it pretty seriously. And, and to be honest, um, racing full-time in supercars is extremely hard on your body due to the heat and um, stress and yeah. weight of the races. I was um, speaking with Ross a little bit earlier and 
when you guys take your helmet off and you get out of that car, you guys are absolutely dripping in sweat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Holy yeah. It, shit. it is so – I don't know if you've got – if you guys have had the chance to, to sit in a supercar before and have a hot lap, but no. it is hot in there. It's – it can be up to – so say it's 35 degrees outside or say it's 30 degrees outside like the Gold Coast, for example – um, it can mm. be up to like 65 degrees in the car there. And you're you're there kidding. For hours. Yeah. Jesus. How do you survive? Yeah, like what, <laughs> what, what, how do you battle that? Because that's just, that'll cook you. Yeah, literally you do get cooked. And you see guys that have a water bottle fail or their cool suit fail. They do literally, they uh, they get to a point where they can't do it anymore and they'll either, I've seen guys like Steve Owen in a few years ago, at clips will actually pass out. Um, mm. In the race, he they, he stopped talking after a little while and then lost consciousness and crashed the car. Which I've never seen that happen aside from that. Mm. But it just goes to show some, you know, the stress that that you can be put under if things aren't going the way that that you need it to be. Do right. do you do you lose a lot of weight as well while sweating in uh, that car? So have you ever weighed yeah. yourself before the race and after a race? I, I haven't personally weighed myself before and after the race, but yeah. I know I did see a news article recently of Nick Perkat, um, who's another BJR driver, um, recently had a water bottle fail, I think, or his cool suit fail. And I think this was at Townsville um, yeah. oh, a month no. ago or so. And he lost 5.5 kilos in the race. Wow. That's so unhealthy. And, and I know that he definitely does weigh himself before and after the race because I've seen him do it. Yeah, it's like a, being in a bloody sauna. It's freaking <laughs> crazy. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. I was. I, I didn't think that it would be to that degree either. But that is absolutely insane. And it's all water because there's nothing on him. He's he is yeah. all muscle and bone. Wow. So, in terms of like practicing, it's more just to get your body and your head right. And then the driving aspect. How much of a percentage is the driving like? You obviously get out on the practice track, but is it not as much as what we're thinking? So the, the driving side, the practice side, because of the costs of the sport, as a as a preventative measure to uh, cap the costs, I suppose, um, they actually heavily regulate how much you can drive the car. So they do okay. that by, by limiting the number of test days that you can have. Um, and I think there's I think there's between four and four and six, I think maybe four real test days and, and two rookie days for the year um, and maybe a, an extra co-driver test day, which is what I'll do before Bathurst. Um, yeah. So they, they limit the tyres, so, so you can only use certain amount of tyres during the day uh, and they limit the number of days that you can do. So the teams have to be super pre prepared and um, have to have almost like a, a bit of a run plan on changes that they want to make because they're so limited with the time. And um, often they have these ideas or different theories around different parts that they want to use from uh, a setup perspective. So they have to come up with these plans and strategies of how to use it throughout the day to effectively come to, um, to effectively evaluate the things that they're doing throughout the day because it's so limited. Gee wow. whiz, Jesus. Um, so the first time you raced in Australia's biggest race, Bathurst, can you describe what that was like, the atmosphere, and what Bathurst is to yeah. motorsport fans around the world? 
Yeah, it's. I guess Bathurst is one of those um, things. Even for for me, growing up, um, racing carts and different things, um, always had been a huge supercars fan, Bathurst fan. Um, honestly, did not realise how big an event it was. Oh, um, the first time you go there and you see the number of people, um, and, and just you know the, the the people camping and and the whole town sort of gets around it, and the amount of people from around Australia that come to the place just for this one weekend. It's uh, it's pretty daunting to be honest, um, but it also it uh, really ingrains your love for the sport, and mm. um, yeah. I think it's one of those things where we do this. Um, the thing that really cements it for me is we do a, a bit of a um, what do they call it a, a parade lap before the race. The two drivers yeah. sit in the car, and we all line up and go around and and you know wave to people, and and that really uh, is a pretty special moment for the drivers because you get to see everybody who's there to watch the race and you get to see um, the popularity of the sport, the, the love for the sport. And, um, and you know, it's pretty funny to hear some of the things that people say along the way. Oh, Ooh, mate, it's yeah. like back in the day, like in the 70s and 80s, yeah. it was an absolute nightmare there. Oh, yeah. 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 You got some wild stories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like a pilgrimage, pitch. right? Like all yeah. motorsports um, lovers from Australia, it's a pilgrimage, that, and that's the yeah. mecca, right? So Yeah, 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 for sure. So, all, yeah, tell all, us about yeah. the first time. So you... Were you nervous? Were you shitting oh, bricks? Terrified, um, yeah. And for those American bricks, fans, yeah. shitting bricks is uh, it's a it's a slang in Australia, and um, it's very very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, shitting bricks is probably an understatement. I was absolutely terrified, um, not only because of uh, it being uh, my first time to race in in the big one. Um, on the you know on the main stage, um, but also because Bathurst as a track is a pretty scary place to drive, so yeah. it doesn't take much to go wrong for you to have a pretty big crash there. Um, yeah. So when you when you couple all these things together, it, it really makes for a bit of a pressure cooker situation. I guess that's probably what makes it such a great race to watch. Um, and that coupled with you know chucking in different weather and uh, strategies and things like that to play out during the race, it's like it's just one of those places where it's um, every, every year it seems to produce a really good moment, no matter what's going on on the race, because there's always something yeah, that agree. comes up that's unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, so you've come agonizingly close to podium finishes and series wins. How do you battle the bad thoughts and the demons to stay focused on the end game at the, after all of that? Well, I guess at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not always about the, the wins and, and there's, there's a part of it that is uh, enjoying the journey as well. And, um, yeah. you know, if, if things don't work out, I, I just look at it from the perspective that it, it wasn't meant to be. It never worked out. So, yeah. you know, you can't let that kind of stuff yeah. get you down. Um, I, I just enjoy being a part of the series and, and racing, to be honest. So, um, you know, the fact that it hasn't worked out for me in terms of winning championships and uh, being full-time in the main game, I'm still thankful to have been able to, to have some pretty good experiences. Oh, bloody oath. Yeah, so, yeah, me too. I, yeah. I think because you're, you've got a life outside of the, the, the sport, um, that keeps you level-headed, I guess, and, um, yeah, a little bit uh, in the centre of things and, yeah, that's that's a wonderful way of looking at it. 
Yeah, it, it honestly, um, having life away from the sport has definitely given me some perspective because there was a time in my life when um, you know it was it was the sole focus and everything to me, and um, you know it does make it pretty, um, I guess, upsetting and annoying when you don't make things like that happen. But I guess you just have to look at it from from that perspective that I just said. You know, you can't. Uh, can't force things to happen that aren't going to happen. So yeah, exactly. uh, just enjoy the, enjoy the ride. Absolutely. Out of um, all the racing you've done to date, what's been the most memorable moment of, of your career? Uh, <laughs> 2016 at Bathurst, uh, Slady and I were, were running second for a good chunk of the race and we thought we were on. We had a fast car. And I'm sure Brad probably feels like it's the one that got away as well for, for him. But we were seriously on to have a good day and we were coming second and we were, uh, we were running with um, Paul Dumbrell and, and Jamie Winkup at the time. And we ended up having a, a, an oil fire um, oh. in the pit stop. Oh, yeah. Day done. Well, it wasn't day done, sorry, actually. We, we fixed, they managed to fix the car, get some brake pads in there. Uh, we got going again, and we were we were lapped. So um, we managed yeah. to unlap ourselves again through strategy and luck, where safety cars fell, and we unlapped ourselves and got back up to seventh in the race, which is like what? pretty unheard of. So we were having an absolute stonker of a day. Um, so to me, that's a career highlight. Um, obviously, oh, you know it's a day that sort of went begging, but. I just love how the guys didn't give up and, you know, it's a nice memory to, to have been on that sort of stage and, and having a good day and just everything sort of going the way it was, even though it didn't end up that way. It was still um, a real highlight to be involved in that. Fucking hell, that's a fair effort. Like, yeah. Like, like how many, how many is in the field, Ash? Uh, I, I can't remember what there was on that particular day, but it would have been somewhere between 24 and 28. It's usually, yeah. yeah, that 25, 26 sort of – it depends because there's wild cards and things. Um, in certain years, I can't remember particularly um, yeah. on that year what how many there were. But, yeah, it would have been around that 24, 25, 26 sort of mark. Yeah, beautiful. Well, it's a, such an effort. Um, so I've read online today, and you can correct me if this is wrong, but you've been quoted as saying that you'd like to go on to Formula 3 and then to Formula 1 eventually <laughs> as a while ago <laughs> yeah so uh, is that still an ambition that you'd wish to um take on or is that something that's gone now no that that that's really um i guess that's a time capsule that one <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that that that's really from my time when i was probably just before i left to go to europe um yeah. at the time then that was the plan to to try and get a seat in f3 because that was the the progression to Formula One. You you drive in F three, uh, yeah. and then or you drive in Formula Renault or F three, and then do World Series Renault or GP two, and then into Formula One. So there's kind of there was kind of two steps, whether it be F three or Formula Renault and GP two or Formula uh, World Series by Renault, uh, with the two sort of feeder categories in F one, and, and that was uh, really where I wanted to go at the time. But um, I I knew, also knew that given the, the budgets and things required, it's, it was a, a pretty steep hill to climb. Yeah. 
Yeah. So life outside of racing, uh, you're a qualified accountant following in your father's footsteps. Those two yeah. jobs couldn't be further further far, oh, further from each other. <laughs> Is that the yeah. secret to a perfect balance? <laughs> yeah, honestly, um, <laughs> if you'd asked me <laughs> 10 years ago or 20, 15 years ago, if I thought I was going to be an accountant, uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I guess, um, you know, given I, I know how um, fickle and difficult the sporting lifestyle is, um, and, and what I didn't want to happen was to be caught up in that for my entire life. Um, yes. So I made the decision in 2016 that I was going to really make a crack at, at getting my degree and, uh, you know, become an accountant. And, um, you know, through that process, I think I've really actually come to like the lifestyle and, um, and, the, and all the, the knowledge and, and study and, and the things that come along with that, um, which I never really, honestly, uh, as a younger bloke would never have guessed that, to be honest. Um, so, you're talking about university, like um, <laughs> like O-Week and all that sort of jazz, ripping and tearing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't do it the fun way, unfortunately. I did it online. So, oh, no. Yeah, yeah I know. You're, still on the <laughs> you're just I, sitting I, there in a toga. <laughs> yeah, by myself. <laughs> yeah, having a beer while watching a tutorial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well no, that's, that is unreal that you, you you do that outside of the sport because we find with a lot of athletes these days they really struggle mentally after their career is finished. Yeah, and they yeah, don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah, it's um, it. I mean, like you watch the Olympics now, and you and you look at the the people who mm. uh, are going to be maybe on the older end of it and they're going to go into into new careers now some of them do struggle to to actually let go and or find some kind of purpose um for the second half of your life and i guess that's that's the key isn't it finding a purpose and uh, yeah, so well, keep, right. keep them busy <laughs> yeah so speaking of olympics and uh um olympic villages on tour how loose does it get after the races like <laughs> Are all the drivers mates and you all hit the piss together or are there um, any standout loose units that you want to <laughs> throw under the bus now? Oh, look, I wouldn't want to throw anyone under the bus too hard. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to see these people in November. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, everyone everyone likes to, you know, particularly like you think of your Bathurst or your Gold Coast events, um, yeah, you know, there's a, there's always a good group of people that are they're willing to have a bit of a nudge on the Sunday night and and celebrate yeah. the races or commiserate the races, depending on how you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So many famous Formula One and NASCAR drivers have been famously known for driving slow SUVs or Utes <laughs> pickups for the American listeners. So what car do you drive? <laughs> I did drive a, a very slow Ute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I actually sold it like a month ago. Did you? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you did. While while everything's up, because well, because of all I, this COVID stuff. In, well, I work, yeah, everything's up. That's one of the mm, factors. But right, I work yeah. in the city now as well, so I literally catch the train to work. So uh, yeah, so that's handy. Yeah, it was yeah sitting at home. So I, I'm probably you know I took advantage of the of the high prices and. 
I'll get something soon, but you know, while I don't need one, sit on my cash for a little while. A little uh, <laughs> Toyota Camry or a, yeah, like uh, a Yaris or something fast, you know. a Tarago <laughs> or something like that. Uh, another another thing that I wanted to touch on, and um, it, part of my naivety here is um, a lot of gaming happens nowadays, and there are racing games, right? So, have the racing teams and um, all the big teams have they integrated their own digital tracks to drive digitally on the circuits um, um, as practice? Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely at, at a Formula One level, for sure, it's a huge integration as part of a race weekend. They've got people back at the headquarters doing um, different simulations on parts and setups and track conditions and, and all kinds of things. But, you know, that's that's the world of Formula One where they're spending, you know, $400 yeah. million dollars a year, uh, you know, to, to develop the cars. Um, supercars, obviously, huge difference in budget level compared to Formula One. Um, you know, your top supercar teams would be spending probably between three to five million dollars a year on their on their uh, racing. Um, wow. So that doesn't leave a lot of space for developing things that would be actually useful. But in yeah. saying that, um, drivers and teams do have simulators that they use, um, but but it's more so from a um, it's more more so from a training perspective. Uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to something that they can really develop a car and, and um, utilize the um, you know engineering packages and feeding new parts and things like that into it. Though you know um, I, I might be wrong, but um, I, I don't think there's any even at the the very top levels of supercars that are doing that as yet. Well, there you go. There's a little uh, side entry to a, a business opportunity. <laughs> Brad Jones Racing. Here we go. So I'm um, looking to the future. Um, how long are you thinking of continuing racing cars? Uh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I was going to retire last year. Um, yeah. And I'd spoken to Brad about going again. And um, I actually ended up not being able to to race last year due to the movement of the Bathurst state and it and it fell pretty much like a day or two away but it a day or two before a um cpa exam that i couldn't move um so i ended up having to can it um which was pretty disappointing at the time um but i at that stage was thinking okay there's no way in the world that i'll ever race in supercars ever again (laughs) Uh, And then um, actually got called again from Andrew Jones, who's looking after Jack Smith, who I'm I'm racing with this year. Um, Andrew Jones is is Brad's nephew uh, and and managed to to again be hooked up with the team. So they've obviously been really good to me over the years. Um, You know, we've we've had a longstanding relationship and and we uh, obviously enjoy each other's company and and like how how, uh, each other go racing. So it's pretty easy to slot back into the team and, and I know yeah. all the guys, obviously. Yeah, well, guys and girls. Is is it just quickly? Um, you don't have to talk figures, but is it um, viable to do it and live easily off it, uh, or is it just for most most drivers do it for the fun, or there are yeah. like 
an income sort of source where it's it's quite beneficial for them. Yeah, for without sure. trying there's, too hard. <laughs> no, there, there's guys like even you know even guys co-driving uh, making a living living off it, um, doing okay for themselves. Um, the guys that are racing full time, depending on who they are, um, are making a very good living off it, um, mm-hmm. and you know they're they're paid sort of in line with what you would expect top sports people to be paid in the Australian market. Um, so yeah, for sure they're um, doing well off it, but um, because the sport is very expensive and there's there's a pinch there, um, it there there is it's difficult to make it into that portion of the field. Um, yeah, yeah. You know the, the young guys coming in, obviously um, they they've got to somehow be able to get into the into the championship somehow. So um, you know at the at the start of your career, it's obviously difficult to to try and make it into the Supercars Championship unless you've got your backing from one of the big teams or a large sponsor. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, definitely there's, you know, I would say probably most of the field are making a pretty good living from it. Awesome. Yeah. Last question here. The most important one, Ford or Holden? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to lose about 50% of our viewers here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, well, yeah, I've been I've been driving Holdens for the last four or five years now. So um, I did start in a Ford. <laughs> um, I got a Holden. With, yeah, with, with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I uh, I'm a little bit patriotic, and I enjoy. Uh, you know, I had I was driving a Holden Ute before this, so yes. you know, I like I like to awesome. support Australia and Australian products, even though in the mm-hmm. end it probably wasn't much of an Australian product. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, it's awesome. sad to see it go, to be honest. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Ash, um, we just want to thank you for, for joining the Big Stiff podcast. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, and, and thanks for telling us some stories and um, yeah, how the, the motorsports industry works. Yeah, no no problem. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate yeah, you... the, the, the invitation. Thanks for listening to another episode of the official Big Stiff podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Hey, um, Scotty, you there, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm here. Uh, You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just type in at the Big Stiff Podcast and you should find us there. Okay, thanks. Bye, guys.